Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number three in this series about the fire of his presence. And we gave it a subtitle of The Secret to Eternal Passion. Man, I don't know about you, but I I don't want to live a, a life that has no passion in it. I just cannot imagine people who just drag themselves out of bed every day, go face the world and work at a job that they're not even really wild about. I understand it. People have to do that. And people you know, have to survive. They have to pay their bills. But I just cannot imagine living a life that is not filled with passion. And I mentioned this to you before. You know, when I gave my life to the Lord, my biggest fear was that I would get bored. Well, I've got news for you. That's been over 50 years ago. I haven't been bored one day in this walk with God because I am telling you, I have enjoyed a life adventure for over 50 years, and I will enjoy a life adventure right down to the last breath that I take. You know, today we're talking about a phrase that's in the Bible that that honestly I can remember when this had such a profound effect on me. And it's taken from the book of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah talks about having a fire in his bones. Now, that's kind of interesting because, you know, he's talking about passion. He's talking about something that burned inside him that drove him to do certain things for God. Now, listen, almost everybody knows this. Almost everybody has seen this, where you or someone you know gave their life to the Lord. There was a time when they were incredibly on fire for God, and it really didn't take very long until all of that passion was gone. And and there's a lot of reasons that happens. Some of them we have we have no control over it because we're novices. We come into this walk with God. We want to serve God, and so we're going to trust the people that are leading us. And we should be able to trust the people that are leading us. And you know, but here's an interesting fact. Let me just throw this out for you. Uh, studies show that when people make a decision, particularly a life-altering decision, and they make that decision because they are in a crisis, well, over time, once they are no longer in a crisis, to the degree that that sense of crisis diminishes, the sense of the commitment that they made and their decision decreases. So when people think they're about ready to die, you know, this is where you get this is where you get the saying foxhole religion, where a soldier is in a foxhole and and all of his buddies are getting killed. As God, if you will get me out of this, I will serve you all the days of my life. And and they do for a little while, but as that emergency, as that crisis diminishes in their life, so does the passion that drove them in their decision-making. Now, many times when people come to the Lord, they make a decision for 
the wrong reasons. Now, that doesn't mean they don't get saved. It doesn't mean they don't have passion. But I tell you what it does mean. It means that you have a short window of time to adjust your reason for making this decision to walk with God. And, and I really believe that happens to everybody to a certain degree. You know, a lot of people get saved because they don't want to go to hell. Well, I got news for you. Once uh, the, the fear of going to hell subsides, so will your passion for God. So one of the things that I have found is that if I want to have passion, I have got to be motivated by something that is constant that never goes away. It's something that is something that every single day of my life, I know that I'm going to be, be able to wake up and have an awareness of it. And so, you know, the, the prophet Jeremiah here, and this is in Jeremiah 20, starting verse 7, and he says, everyone mocks me for when I spoke, I cried out, I shouted, violence and plunder, because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. So Jeremiah was a prophet, and he was prophesying about uh, uh, an invasion that was about ready to take place and the fact that all the people were going to go into captivity. Man, that is not what people wanted to hear. And so he got persecuted. Everything, as you can imagine, happened to him. He eventually was thrown into a pit to be in prison for a while. And so, so finally, he just took this position. It's like, all, all, all this happening, I'm just getting criticized. I'm getting persecuted. People are turning against me. So you know what? I am not going to talk about God anymore. But uh, he wasn't able to follow through on that, which I think is, is pretty cool here. He says this. He said, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. Man, that's where we want to be. We want to have the Word of God in our hearts in such a way that it's like a fire that burns in our bones, and we have to let it out. We have to keep moving with it, even when we decide we don't want to anymore. You know, I've, I've shared this many times. Uh, the first, uh, the first three, three and a half years that I was saved, uh, I ministered primarily in what we'd call street ministry. Now, I'm not talking about standing on the corner and screaming at people as they drove by and holding up a sign. No, I'm just talking about getting out into parks and into restaurants and, and into public places and walking around and finding ways to strike up conversations with people, witness to them one-on-one, -on -one, and lead them to the Lord. Now, many times that did turn into preaching meetings. Uh, there were two theaters downtown Huntsville at that time. They were right across the street from each other. And one of the things that I would do is uh, I would find out what was showing, and, and I would pick the one that, that I felt like would provoke people to... Uh, thoughts about God more, you know, one more than the other. And so I would, I would, I saved up some money and I bought me a little, an IBM electric typewriter. I bought me a mimeograph machine. Didn't have, we didn't have copy machines back in those days. And so I typed up some small tracks about the, you know, the movie you have just seen uh, had this message in it and da, 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 da. And so 
I would go down there. I'd find out what time what time the movie was going to let out. And so they would have about three showings a night. So I got some of my friends and we would go down there and I'd have my friends go down and, and stand close to where the people were coming out of the movie, hand them these tracks. There was enough light there that they could read them. I was back up the, the sidewalk about 50 to 100 feet. So by the time they got to me, they had already read these little tracks that we'd given out. And I would just start talking to people as they would come by. Well, honestly, there were times that so many people stopped and wanted to hear about Jesus that the police actually came. They thought they thought we were inciting a riot downtown Huntsville, and 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 we weren't. But uh, you know that that was that was what I did. I didn't have any passion to ever preach in churches. That just wasn't what I was interested in, and so. And so, so I loved and hated what I did. So many people hear me tell these stories about going out on the streets and ministering. And honestly, uh, I try not to give a false image of who I am or what I did. But honestly, uh, sometimes people just give me too much credit and they create this idealized picture of how bold and how enthusiastic I was. Here's the honest truth, and I've always told people this. Uh, I dreaded going out on the streets every night. I dreaded it. I dreaded going out and facing people and having to go through, you know, people spitting on me, people trying to beat me up, you know, all of these crazy things would happen. I'd get cussed out, and I'll, you know, all this would happen. And so, and so really, I, you know, you get kind of weary in, in, in that kind of stuff. So I would be struggling about going out and ministering to people. And so what I would usually do is I would usually park on the square and I'd sit in my car, wrestle within myself. And finally, I would just say, okay, Lord, here's the deal. I'm going to get out. I'm going to walk all around this big block one time. And if in the process of walking around this block, I find somebody to minister to, then I will. But if I don't, by the time I get back to my car, I'm leaving, I'm going home. And so I would do it. And I would really, there'd be some part of me kind of hoping many times that I would not run into anybody that wouldn't find anybody to minister to. Well, you know what? Every time I went down there, I ended up finding somebody to minister to. It was really interesting that as I would share with people about the gospel, the whether they got anything out of it or not, man, the passion came alive inside of me about why I was there and about what I was doing. This is, you know, I liken this somewhat to what happened to Jeremiah. He committed to himself that he just was not going to prophesy or preach or, or warn people anymore, but the word that was in his heart. Now, that, that's a real key factor the word in your heart. By the way, let me just mention this. You know, uh, uh, we do have a, uh, a special holiday sale that's going on right now, so that if you want to get material to invest in your life, or you want to get material to invest in other people's lives, then that's fine. But uh, I also want to let you know, I have just released my book, on establishing the heart. It's a part of a series that I'm doing the heart. The first one is moving your invisible boundaries. And in this book, 
we talk about how to establish your heart, how to write God's word on your heart so that you have something in you that that in a really, it, it, it's not in your conscious mind, but it's in your other than conscious mind, your subconscious mind, that just keeps you continually moving forward, that keeps you uh, uh, going ahead with, your, uh, with the godly passions that you have. And so that's one of the things you have to realize about your heart is that your heart will guide you, uh, like I say, subconsciously, even when your conscious mind resists it. And that was what was happening to me. My conscious mind was resisting going out and, and going through what all I went through to minister to these people. But my heart, all, your heart always will win over your conscious mind. Even if your conscious mind uh, wins for a moment or gets the upper hand for a moment, ultimately, it is your heart that always wins. And I'm, and so I'm just mentioning this book because if you want to establish your heart in a way that that you're always going to keep moving forward, you're always going to get up when you fall, you're always going to pick yourself up, you're always going to share with people. And I just, you know, I saw that over these 50 plus years, you know, I've gone through some incredible tragedies. Uh, you know, I, I can remember one time, you know, one of the three times, there were three times I lost everything I had, every penny I had. And usually in every one of those events, I had quite a bit of stuff every one of those times because I always made money. I always worked hard. I was always diligent. And so, so I had, I was born with a, with a couple of genetic disorders. And so when I was 28 years old, I actually got up one day and didn't think I'd live. I, I was rushed to the hospital and, and the, the, the tech that worked on me told a nurse, that attended my church. So we've never seen anybody with kidneys as bad as this guy that is still alive. And so the expectation is that I would be dead. I, that began a four, four and a half year battle for, for my life. And I did eventually get healed. Thank God for supernatural healing. I'm so, I'm so grateful for that. But so many times, you know, like I said, I, I lost property. I lost money. I eventually I walked away from the ministry for about a year. Now, I, I didn't walk away from ministering to people. I didn't walk away from personal ministry. I just didn't want to be a pastor anymore. I just that uh, I realized that that was not working given all of the situations that, that, that I was facing. But here was the amazing thing. I could be so discouraged that I was ready to quit and somebody would need help. And my heart, remember, if it's in your heart, it's going to supersede your momentary emotions. It's going to supersede your momentary conscious decisions. But it, so in my heart, I, I had this thing about serving God by serving people. And I would always think, okay, I'm, I'm going to talk to this person and then I'm done. Then I'm finished. I, then I'm going, to, I'm going to back away from this. Well, you know what? I would minister to those people. I would get so encouraged that whether they got help or not, I got help. I got set on fire. That's why I call this the fire uh, of his presence is because, man, when we do something that involves God, particularly ministering to, serving, and helping other people, I'm telling you, we, we move into his presence in a palpable way that, that ignites something that is in us that brings us back to life. You know, there, what, one translation of Philemon uh, 6 says, I pray that you will be active in sharing your faith 
so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that's in you in Jesus. Well, that's not exactly true to the original language, but it's pretty close. But the principle is true. When we, anytime we are acknowledging the good things that we have in Jesus, and you know, that doesn't mean doing it in a ceremonial way. It doesn't mean, and, and you know, I did thing, I did it in a ceremonial way. I prayed, I worshiped, I acknowledged who I was in Christ, and all those kinds of things. But the powerful thing was, even when I was talking to others about how good God was, even when I was talking to others about what they have in Christ, that was as powerful and as effective in my life as worshiping for hours and, and acknowledging the good things that are in me in Christ. So, so the Apostle Paul says, I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that's in you in Christ. I'm telling you talk about something that's going to light your fire is when you are reminded and it's ignited back within you all the good things that you have in Jesus. You know something? I'm, I'm just going to share some things with you. I've already shared some really solid points with you about how to uh, how to keep this passion alive. And, you know, one is, of course, learning how to write the Word of God in your heart so this allows you. Number two is, is ministering to other people, serving other people in the Word of God, and praying for other people, ministering to other people. It will bring something to life alive inside you. You know, one of the very best uh, pieces of ministerial advice I ever got was when my pastor, uh, my very first pastor, encouraged me to leave his church. Now, I know that sounds kind of odd. He wasn't kicking me out of his church. That wasn't it. But, uh, you know, I was out ministering to people, and really every every Friday night and every Saturday night, I was out on the streets somewhere. And most of those nights, I didn't even get home till 3 or 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. I would be out all night ministering to people. So I'd come in on Sunday morning, I would take a little nap, and then I would then I would head off to church. Well, I didn't go to Sunday school because I'd been out ministering all night. And honestly, if I went to Sunday school, I would have had to get up so, you know, so early that I wouldn't have even gotten any sleep. So I would go in, sleep an hour, maybe two hours, get up, take a shower, go to church. And I'll never forget one Sunday morning, one of the deacons met me in the hall and he said, you know, I know you've got this ministry going, but I just want you to understand, we're, we're never going to get behind a ministry of somebody who does not attend Sunday school. And I'm telling you, he was he was so self-righteous, it was it was disgusting. Well, you know, I kept having those kinds of experiences happen. But at the same time, I was putting more people in that church uh by myself than all the other congregation of probably more than 300 people. I was putting more people in that church than all of the rest of the church put together. And so my pastor and I, and I love this guy, he was a great guy, but we were went out to visit some people that were sick and, and to minister to some people. And while we were out, he says, Jim, he says, uh, uh, I'm so thankful for what you're doing. And he said, really, everybody in our church needs to be what you, doing what you're doing. And I wish they would, but he said, they're never going to. And he said, the problem is they're never going to let you have peace about this. They're going to they're going to criticize the people you bring to church. They're going to criticize you because you're not doing things the old school way. And he said, 
my advice to you, if you really want to help these people, is you need to leave our church. You need to go somewhere and start something that is church, but doesn't look like church. Now, I've never heard of home meetings other than reading them in the Bible, but that's actually where I went out and started home meetings. Let me read this to you in Matthew 9, 16. It says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine in old wineskins, and new wine represents the Holy Spirit working inside you. And the new wine is the, what the Holy Spirit is doing in you right now. The old wineskins are the old institutions where people are doing it the same way they've done it for the last hundred years. They have no intention of changing because tradition has actually taken over uh, their walk with God. And through traditions, they make the word of God of no effect. And they would rather stay comfortable in their traditions than do anything uh, that's different or step out. He says, nor do they put new wine in old wineskins, or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And he told me, he said, Jim, if you stay here long enough, you will lose your passion. And, and he cited this verse, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. I took his, his advice. I launched out. And like I say, started, I kept ministering on the streets and that sort of thing, but I started doing home greet meetings and discipling uh, uh, new believers and, and, and just went on a totally different journey that set the course really for, for my, my whole life. You know, if you stay in one, in a place, and, and so many people will they'll say, well, you know what? I believe God wants me to stay and just change this church from within. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, that violates Scripture, because here we have Jesus himself saying, don't try to put new wine in old wineskins. He said, because if you do, one of two things will happen. You run the risk of losing your wine. In other words, you're not going to have your passion anymore. You're not going to be fired for God. You're going to get bitter. You're going to get angry. You're going to get reactionary. You're going to get critical, or you're going to destroy them. You know, I don't. I have never believed it was my job to go into anybody's church and change it. If they, you know, if they're the pastor of the church, if they started the church, then I'm not going to go in there and be a rebel and and cause strife and you know all those kinds of things. But I'll show you something really, really interesting. Revelation chapter two, verse two. And now this is Jesus speaking. Jesus. Uh, dictated seven letters to seven churches, and those seven churches uh, really, uh, uh, not only were they legitimate, actual churches that existed at that moment in time, but they were also a prophetic profile of seven phases that the church would go through uh, before he comes back the second time. So, so they had a a real-time, in that moment, value, but they also had a prophetic value. So he is speaking to one of the churches, and he says, I know your works, and I know your labor, and I know your patience, and I know that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars, and you have persevered 
and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. I tell you, you know, if Jesus were to say something like that to you, you think, man, a lie, that's a pretty good report card right there. All those great things that, he, that he's saying. He says, but then in verse four, he says, nevertheless, uh-oh, that nevertheless is, mm, that's not good. I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do your first works. Now, I want you to understand something. Your first works. Now, now many people think that, that, that works are always bad. No, there's good works and there's dead works and there's evil works. So there's a lot of different kinds of works. We are called and we are saved unto good works. But you see something that's really, really interesting here. You see that even though they did all of these things right, something caused them to leave their first love and stop doing their first works. Well, what do you think it was? It seems like that they got what I call the fighting spirit. They got so engrossed in fighting people that had bad doctrine. They were fighting people who said they were apostles and they weren't. They were fighting uh, people who, you know, who, who were living ungodly life. And so they got so focused on trying to get everybody right that they actually put the fire out. You know, it says of Jesus, and Isaiah 42, I think it is. And I've, man, I've read this scripture so many times. It talks about how that, how that he will not cry out. He will not raise his voice. He will not argue in the streets. A bruised reed, he will not break. And, you know, there were people that started arguments with Jesus, but Jesus never did what he did with the intention of, I'm going to fix all of you. I'm going to straighten everybody out. No, he just preached the gospel in love and kept going. You know something? We can get so caught up in fighting. If I'd stayed in that church, I would have ended up fighting with all those people. And I would have been in the right as far as what I was doing. I was, I was doing what they didn't have the courage to do. I was doing what they weren't willing to do. But I would have still lost my first love, and I would have still eventually stopped doing my first works. I would have lost my compassion. So I just want to encourage you something. If you're going to a church where it's always a negative experience, Find another church. Don't think God is, don't, don't try to convince yourself that God has called you to change that church and get them right. It's not your job to do that. Go somewhere that accepts you, that accepts what you're doing for God. You know, I'll just close on this. Back in the, oh man, back in the 80s, I had this passion to do uh, outdoor jungle crusades. Everybody in the world tried to discourage me from doing that. I'll never forget. Finally, uh, uh, I, I met up with somebody that really wanted to encourage me in this. They helped me set up my first crusades. And I'm telling you, it began years of ministering to people, winning people to Jesus. And I saw every miracle in the New Testament there. I got news for you. Uh, if I hadn't gone ahead and sought what God was calling me to do, I would have lost my fire. Listen, be sure and check out impactministries.com. And uh, 
help us reach the world. We are teaching people all over the world and helping them to become disciples. Hope you enjoyed this. Share it with people. I'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.